0: Welcome to the Retire Well podcast, the show that focuses on showing you how to get the most out of your retirement. Each week, we're going to dive into topics that affect people just like you, ways to save money on your health care costs, smart income planning strategies, estate planning tools, and a whole lot more. We're going to get straight to the point with short episodes of 20 minutes or less on the information that you need to know to be able to retire well. I'm your host and retirement specialist, Kelly Racicott. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Retire Well podcast. Last time on the show, we began a segment on tax planning. And since it's February and we're all getting those W-2s and 1099s in the mail, and we're preparing to get our taxes filed. So since taxes are at the top of everyone's mind right now, I figured it was a good time to talk about your taxes and your retirement. And so this is the second part of the conversation. If you missed the last show, you might want to go back and give that one a listen too. All right. But last time I focused on Income taxes and how some recent legislation is impacting your retirement. And not only that, but how your beneficiaries will be affected as well. And we talked about the new 10 year rule and how the new Secure Act made efficient tax planning even more difficult for your heirs. But this week, I'm going to continue the tax conversation, but this week we're going to focus on estate taxes, the widow's tax, and Roth conversions. All right. But I do want to remind everyone everyone. I am not a CPA or accountant. And all of the information that I bring to you here on the show comes from the perspective of a financial professional. You should always, 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 always seek the right type of guidance before taking any sort of action on your planning process. All right. So, Up first, let's talk about estate taxes. And I want to make sure that there's a very clear distinction between estate taxes and estate planning, all right? Not everyone is going to have to deal with estate taxes, but everyone should have a proper estate plan. And when we hear the word estate, we often think of something grand or something that only the wealthy have. But in truth, if you have anything, You have an estate and it deserves a plan and it deserves a plan that's going to pass on to your beneficiaries the way that you wanted it to. And without an estate plan, well, what you wanted to have happen might not happen. Okay, so... But estate taxes under current tax law, well, they kind of are for the wealthy. And the current exemption for a single person in 2024 is $13.61 million, 27.22 if you're married. All right. So in other words, if your estate is worth less than that, well, then the federal estate taxes will not apply. Now, you might be thinking, $27 million, geez, I'll never have to worry about that you're right, most of us will not accumulate wealth of $27 million. But here's the thing about estate taxes. Congress likes to make adjustments here and there with the federal estate tax. So the federal exemption is never permanent. And that can make estate planning kind of tricky since the goalposts are moving all the time. And again, we don't have to look back too terribly far into history to see some of these drastic changes. All right, so get this. In 2010, there was actually no estate tax at all. What was in place in 2001 through 2009 had a, had a sunset clause on it that was ending after 2010, and there was not to be any estate tax through 2010. And everybody assumed that Congress was going to take some sort of action before that to 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 keep that from happening, but they didn't. And so in 2010, there was no estate tax at all. So when George Steinbrenner died, owner of the New York Yankees, George Steinbrenner, mega multi millionaire, when he died in July of that year, his estate paid no estate tax. And it's estimated that his heirs saved about $500 million in taxes just because he died in the right year. And surely he wasn't the only mega multimillionaire that happened to pass away in 2010. It's just crazy, right? But current federal estate exemptions, they're part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And this act also has a sunset clause on it of December 31st of 2025. And that's just at the end of next year. So who knows what the exemption will be come January of 2026. If the act is simply allowed to expire and Congress doesn't change current tax law, then the exemption is simply going to go back to what it was back in 2017, and that was $5 million for an individual or $10 million for a married couple. Those numbers will get indexed for inflation, but just to keep it easy and use the base numbers. Could they be higher or lower than that? Yeah, sure. Sure. But we'll have to wait and see what Congress does. All right. But under current tax law, most of us don't have an estate tax issue. What most of us have is an ordinary income tax issue. All right. So for most retirees today, the majority of your wealth is in pre-taxed retirement accounts. And we talked a little bit about this the last episode. In those pre-taxed accounts, you're kind of at the mercy of the IRS and tax law changes. And when your pre-tax assets pass on to the next generation, well, those income taxes are still due and they're going to be due at the beneficiary's tax rate. And more often than not, that beneficiary is in a higher tax bracket than you. And in this case, the IRS is gonna get more from your account, leaving your loved ones with less. Those taxes need to be paid. So when is the best time to pay your taxes? Well, of course, whenever it's the cheapest. So again, if you missed the last show on how the new tax law affects your beneficiaries that inherit those pre-tax accounts, you want to head on back to the last show. That's episode number 27, I believe, um, to get the lowdown on all of that. All right. Now, moving on from estate taxes, let's talk about a part of income and tax planning that I feel like just doesn't get nearly enough attention. And that's the widow's tax. So the widow's tax isn't really a tax per se, but more of a tax consequence for being the surviving spouse. Never heard of it? Well, let me tell you a story. All right. John and Mary Saver have been married for 50 years. They were diligent savers and they live a very comfortable retirement on $8,000 per month. John's a retired school principal and he collects 2000 in social security benefits and a $3,000 pension. Mary collects $1,000 in social security benefits and they also withdraw about $2,000 a month from John's IRA. So, eight grand a month, life is good until unexpectedly, John has a ma- massive heart attack and dies, leaving Mary a widow. Mary, not only has she lost the love of her life, but now she's concerned that she's not going to be able to maintain the lifestyle that they worked so hard for. But thankfully, John was a good saver and a diligent planner, and they've been working with the best broker in town and a CPA. So Mary goes to see her broker and the CPA, and she tells them, I just lost the love of my life, and I'm worried that I can't get the same $8,000 of monthly income. Can you help me? Now, if you're thinking that your wife or husband won't need to have 100% of your income if you die, I'm telling you they do. Think about it for just a minute. All right. Exactly what part of the lifestyle that you two enjoy together will you expect this the other, the surviving spouse, to forego whenever you're gone? I've been doing this a long time. And not one time, not once have I ever met with a surviving spouse that was prepared to live on any amount less. Not once. On paper, sure, traditional advice might suggest otherwise, but in the real life application of things, you know what? It just doesn't work that way. All right. But back to our story here. Now, thankfully for Mary, this isn't an issue. All right. They've been working with the best broker in town, remember? And so not enough money isn't the problem. They got plenty of money. All right, she's going to lose her social security check and she's going to get half of John's pension. But there's plenty of money in the IRA to make up that difference. So thanks to the work of the broker and the CPA, they shuffle some things around a little bit and Mary's able to maintain her $8,000 a month of income. Doesn't sound bad, right? Sounds pretty good. Now here comes the problem, all right? The broker was so focused on market returns... And the CPA was focused on minimizing the tax burden in each tax year for them. But no one had an eye to future tax planning. And while John was alive, they paid an effective tax rate of 7.9% or $7,185 in taxes. But Mary, she's not married anymore. She's going to file as a single. So Mary as a single filer will pay 13.8% or $12,711 on the same exact amount of money. That's a 75% increase to her lifestyle. And no one talks about this. Why does nobody talk about this? It's practically inevitable. If you're married, odds are good that one of you is gonna outlive the other, all right? So planning for this scenario should be a lot more common than it is, all right? So again, remember, when's the best time to pay your taxes? When it's the cheapest, all right? All right, so... Let's move on to Roth conversions. All right. Converting IRA assets into Roth IRAs can sometimes be a good way to decrease your future tax liability. So, for anyone who isn't familiar with the Roth IRA, just real quick Roth IRAs were introduced back in the late 90s and they didn't really become popular until. Kind of recently. And Roth options are also sometimes available inside of your employer sponsored plans, which I think is great. All right. And this is becoming more popular too. All right. So a Roth basically works the opposite way of a traditional IRA. In a Roth, you just deposit the money after tax and the money grows and you can withdraw the money tax free in retirement. All right. Now, there's two ways to go about getting a Roth account. First, you can simply make Roth contributions. And in 2024, you can contribute up to $7,000, an extra thousand if you're over the age of 50 for the catch-up provision, all right? The downside is for high-income earners. If your modified adjusted gross income is $161,000 for a single person or, oh, I think it's $240,000 for couples that file jointly, well, you're not eligible for, to contribute to a Roth account. If your income is over those amounts, you make too much money to contribute to a Roth account. All right, but don't worry if you're a high earner, you can still take advantage of the Roth. You just have to go about it in the second option and that's to convert, all right? There is no income limit to convert your traditional IRA assets into Roth accounts. The biggest hurdle for most people here is that you have to pay the tax on the amount that you convert, all right? But just remember you're going to pay that tax at some point. You owe that tax. And if you don't pay it, your beneficiaries are going to have to pay it. You're not actually saving money by continuing to defer. You're just deferring or kicking the can down the road. Okay, So you're not actually saving that money. All right. But another way that you can get into the Roth game, it's kind of like a variation of the conversion and it's common among high income earners will do this. And it's often referred to as the backdoor Roth IRA. And in this case, you would make a non-deductible contribution to your traditional IRA and convert those dollars into the Roth, all right? You just have to be careful about this if you have other pre-tax IRA accounts, because the amount that you convert it is going to be subject to the IRS pro rata rule. And I don't want to get too far off track here, but the IRS is going to look at all of your IRA accounts um, on an aggregate aggregate basis. You know, so if you have pre-tax accounts and non- deductible contributions into those IRAs. Um, the IRS is going to look at all of that altogether, and some of that conversion will be taxable as well. All right. So you want to just be, be careful about that and, and understand, you know, what What's taxable and what isn't taxable to you in that regard? All right, so but Roth IRAs, whether they're achieved by contribution or conversion, they're a great way to effectively manage your income plan in retirement. And they're also a great way of managing your tax planning in retirement since you already paid the tax due on this money. Well, you know exactly what your tax is going to be whenever you take it out zero. Okay? Now, full disclaimer here, I am a big fan of the Roth IRA. I don't like surprises. All right? I'd much rather pay my taxes today when I know exactly how much I'm going to owe than try to guess kind of what my future tax racket might be. All right? So when do I want to pay my taxes? I want to pay my taxes when they're the cheapest. And personally, I think taxes are going to be higher in the future. Do I know that for a fact? No, of course not. My crystal ball doesn't work any better than yours does. But I do know what today's rates are. And I prefer the known. All right. But, okay, but, and this is a big but, Roth conversions are not for everyone. Contributions? All right, sure. There's no real consequence of contributing to a Roth account as long as you're eligible. All right. But conversions could have some drawbacks to some people. So please don't finish listening to this and then run out and convert all of your traditional accounts into Roths. All right. Don't do that. Conversions should be done under the guidance of tax, of a tax and financial professional. And just like with anything else, there's pros and cons. And retirement planning and tax planning certainly is not one size fits all. All right, so for today's purposes, i'm gonna leave it at that. you know, the idea of whether to convert or not could be an episode all on its own. You know actually, in fact, I'm probably gonna do that um so f- stay tuned um i'm gonna to put together i'm gonna to put together a show that um that covers that the pros and cons of Roth conversions and when you should and when you should not um, go into into the Roth conversion game. So I'm going to work on that here over the next week or two. So definitely, definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, But for this week, that's a wrap. Um, I hope I gave you something new to ponder over while you're meeting with your tax planner this season. And I hope you all have a great week. And I'm going to catch you back here next time. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Retire Well Podcast. Our goal here is always to bring you value and share insights to make your retirement everything you always hoped it would be. I would be forever grateful if you would leave us a review because that helps more people find the show and please share it wherever you share things on social media. Thanks again and I hope to see you back here next week. The preceding information does not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions and information shared in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be acted upon without the assistance of a qualified and licensed professional. Any guarantees mentioned are subject to the strength and claims paying ability of the insurance company, and any mention of rates or performance are subject to change without notice. Kelly Racicott is the agency owner of Hometown Retirement Specialists, LLC. If you have questions about the show, Kelly, or Hometown Retirement Specialists, please visit us on the web at yourhrsagent.com, and you can find our full disclosure in the show notes.